Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. You guys want to have some fun today? That's a value for our church. Uh, fun isn't optional. So if you're not having fun, man, we're going to change that up, okay? So we're going to have a good time. Let's go to uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 24. If you didn't bring a Bible, don't worry. We got you. We're going to have it on the screen. And let me, let me start with a question. Have you ever been asked to do something that re required coordination, but you're afraid because you weren't the most coordinated person in the world? Oh, I'm talking to myself right now. Okay. Yeah, that's been my life. And um, so I, I grew up in Southern California. And big thing in Southern California are the beaches, like just nicer weather down there. Beaches are awesome. And so a big common theme down there is surfing. And I remember when I moved to Northern California, hey, Chris, like, do you surf? Are you a surfer? Man, I always had a temptation to lie. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, Calif I'm a Southern California boy surfer. No. Like, I am so, un it's a thought of it, like, just freaks me out. And I, little girl, Sailor, she's almost two years old. I'm pretty confident she could be a better surfer right now than me. That's how much non-confidence I have in myself. Praise God, though, they have a thing called boogie boarding. And you don't really need that much coordination for boogie boarding. You buy a board, you see a wave, and you just flail your body into the wave. And you get taken, and then congratulations, you are a boogie boarder, okay? So I'm about seven, eight years old. I'm in the beach, boogie boarding, and I, maybe I forgot. My dad reminded me in between services when I taught this uh, first service that he did remind me. I don't remember it. Maybe because I was, yeah, he, yeah, he did. Um, well, I don't remember anyone telling me that when you go in the ocean, there's this thing called a current. Amen. Okay. <laughs> Amen to the current. And I remember I was in the ocean. You don't just stay in one spot. You don't have to, you don't have to plan to move. It just moves you. And so I didn't realize being out there for a couple hours that I had actually drifted for a whole mile. And so I'm seven, eight years old, somewhere in there, you know, and I have like my little landmarks, like red tent, you know, like whatever over here. And when I, I remember I came back, I'm like, where's, where's the red tent? Where's, I don't, I'm walking around, you know, like, where's, where's, where's the red tent? And it was kind of exciting, gotta be honest, because the week before I did watch Home Alone. I'm like, this is my Home Alone moment? Am I gonna do this thing? Where's my plane ticket? You know, where's that wallet? And five minutes later, reality said, in. nope, this isn't good. Freaked out. Thankfully, God had put, I believe, a nice uh, elderly uh, lady for me that, that found me. I'm crying and sobbing. Don't worry, son, I'm going to find your dad. And then within, about, I think, a couple hours later, a helicopter going across the beach. <laughs> I was found. And all was well. And I'm here, guys. Come on. And so, <laughs> praise Jesus. But you know what I learned from that is that like the ocean and also in the rest of our lives, that we're always drifting if we're not careful. And that there's a drift to life that if we're not careful, we can accidentally get ourselves in situations or even places in our life that we didn't plan to be in. A lot of times we ask that question, how did I get here? My wife and I, we asked that question uh, Monday because we're having our first small group in our house. And, you know, I tend to think our house is pretty tidy and clean. But the thought of what people coming over, I'm like, nope, this ain't ready. How did we get here? This is horrible. This is a dump. Not really a dump, but when there's people coming over, it kind of changes the game, right? And so we got it all cleaned up. But sometimes we can see our lives that way. It's like, oh, my gosh, like how did I get to this place? How did that one little thing 
that I was kind of managing behind the scenes, how did I get to that place? How did my finances, how did my relationships, how did my personal life, maybe even some of us are asking this question, how did I get here in my, in my relationship with God? And it's that drift that happens that if we're not intentional, we can fall in that, that trap. See, we can live our lives by accident or we can live our lives on purpose. We can live a life with purpose. Now, here's the thing with purpose is that when you live with purpose, it doesn't add time to your life. How many of you are like, man, I wish I had more time to my life. Man, that's not gonna happen. God has given you 24 hours in a day. He's not gonna give you more time, but what he can do is he can add meaning to your life. So when you live with purpose, you get meaning to your life, you have an end goal, you have the end in mind, and you can live an intentional life for Jesus. I'll give you an example. Um, so I, uh, before Lauren and I got engaged in marriage, I, I had this um, idea that Lauren and I were just gonna drift into marriage. Even though we didn't have enough money to get engaged, even though we didn't enough, you know, any of the resources, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna pray ourselves into marriage. And my last pastor lovingly said, Chris, keep praying, but get a plan. <laughs> pray and plan, pray and plan. You can pray, keep praying, but you gotta have a plan. You gotta take that next step. And I gotta say, man, that's why we are a church of next steps. Because we know that when you want to move closer to God and take that next step, it can be so ambiguous, it can be scary, it can be abstract. We want to help you take that next step. Because we believe if you take that next step, Jesus is going to take the rest. And so I took that next step. I got, I got a plan. And I, I worked three jobs for a season where I was working at my church. I was working at the Boys and Girls Club. And I worked at a startup at Lowe's. And it was Lil Cray. Little cray cray there. And so um, working some days were like I woke up at 5 a.m., got to work at 5:30, worked all the way sometimes to 9 p.m. My quality time with my wife, oh, fiance at the time, uh, Lauren, it diminished a lot. But you know what started happening? The times that we started having with one another, it got so much sweeter, so much more um, valuable to us because we didn't have that much time with the time we did have, it was just amazing. Why? Because we had a purpose in mind. We had a goal that we are working towards. And that's the same thing that God wants us to have, all of us in, uh, in this room, is that God wants to give a purpose to your life. Now, I don't think any of us in this room would disagree with that statement, that God wants to give you a purpose for your life. But here's the part that we kind of struggle with, is if we're really going to live with purpose, purpose is actually going to—the reason why purpose can be so hard is that when you live with purpose— Purpose actually means that you have to live outside of yourself. That if you live with purpose, you have to live beyond yourself, beyond your own comfort, beyond your own, um, what you want, because it's something bigger. And so God has a purpose for your life, but God's purpose isn't just for you alone. That when God calls you to his purpose, it's, it's going to be for you, but it's not just going to be all about you. I'll give you some examples. See, when you look at the life of Moses, Moses had a crazy childhood upbringing. He had sinned. He had messed up. He murdered a man. So he went back and retreated. And God was saying to Moses, I have a plan for your life. I want to heal you. I want to redeem you. I want to do something new in your life. But when I do that, it's not just going to affect you. It's going to affect the thousands and, and millions, literally millions of people that are going to come up behind you because of your step of obedience. Moses, I need you to get free, not just for yourself, but for the people around you. 
the purpose that I have for your life, it's for you, but it's not going to stay with you. And it's not just for you. When God had called Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham, I just, I don't know, I only want to bless you, but I want to bless the world through you. So I need you to leave your house. I need you to leave your ways of doing your life. And I need you to trust me and go to the land that I'm calling you to, to, to go to. I need you to trust me, uh, Abraham. So that's the same thing for our lives, that God is calling us to live a life that is beyond ourselves. And that's the place where we're going to feel most alive. We were, at, we were at a family party yesterday, and I, I met this pastor who's actually around here, and we were just talking, and it was so cool because he was asking, hey, how did you come to Fountain? Like, what was that process like? And I was recalling because we came here to, uh, last year in, um, in March, uh, first Sunday of March, and I was recapping what it was feeling like, and I was like, man, it was probably one of the scariest parts, um, times of our life because we left our whole church home, we left all of our security, we left all of our friendships. Um, we didn't say bye, but it was a whole new season. And literally, we didn't know where the income was going to come from. It was a literal step of faith. And it was almost like, oh, wow, God's called us to minister in the Bay Area. Uh, sorry, the Tri-Valley. Oh, wait, God's called us to live in the Tri-Valley with the rent. God, you better provide. <laughs> I'm going to follow you, but you got to do something about that. And so I told my friend, I was like, man, it was probably the most scariest time of our life but it was also the most exciting because we could say with integrity, we were living a life of faith that if Jesus didn't pick us up, that'd be it because we jumped off the cliff. And so that's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to give a purpose to your life, but that purpose isn't going to stay with you. It's going to be for someone that's going to come behind you. So let's talk about that today. We're going to look in Mark chapter, uh, Mark chapter five, verse 24, little context. Jesus is walking with the crowd. Hundreds and hundreds of people are following him. And this man named Jarvis comes and says, Jesus, my daughter is going to die. I need you to come and heal my daughter. So that's the context. He's on his way to heal Jarvis' daughter. And this is what happens. Verse 24. Jesus went with Jarvis, and all the people followed, crowding around him. Verse 25. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years. Say to your neighbor, 12 years. With constant bleeding. I'm not going to have you say that to your neighbor because that would be kind of awkward. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had just, got, but she had just gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. So check this out. This lady has been struggling with this sickness for 12 years. She spent everything that she had, went to all the doctors, and it didn't get better at all. In fact, it actually got worse. Can you imagine just the feelings of, of hopelessness, of pain, of suffering that she's feeling? I think all of us in this room, if we're truly being honest, we've all had our 12 years in here. And what I mean by 12 years, I don't mean like how long it's been going on for but how it makes us feel. I'm not going to get over this. This is just what I'm going to deal with, and I'm just going to accept it. How many times did this woman have to pray, ask God, when, is this gonna, when are you going to deliver me of this? When are people, because it, it not only was a physical symptom, but also she was ostracized from her community. Because in those times, 
with that, with her sickness, she was ritually unclean, which meant that she couldn't be with the people. She couldn't come to the temple and worship freely. She was literally um, ostracized for community. She was an outcast. And how often when we have our own 12-year struggle, not only do we uh, struggle in silence, but we suffer in separation from God. And maybe we don't say this because, you know, we can be um, too intellectually smart for this, but it's like, God, why is this happening? I keep asking, 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 take this depression away. Take this anxiety away. Why, why, why do I? Why do? Why am I still addicted to this? Why is this person still hurting me? Why can't I just be free? And maybe we don't say that out loud, but that's just the whispers in our heart that keep us up at night, that hold us back. So this lady knows what we're, what, we're, what we have gone through or are going through right now. And aren't you glad that's not the end of the story? Let's look at verse. 27, but she had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Get this picture. Jesus is walking. There's hundreds and hundreds of people walk with him that are with him. And there's this lady who's known by her community you're dirty, you're not part of this community, you're unclean, and she doesn't care anymore. She's pushing people out of the way. It kind of reminds me um, when you're at Disneyland <laughs> and there's a mom with a stroller, you get out of the way. You are either going to be on the ground or something bad is going to happen here. They have the right away. And so she is pushing, pushing, getting, getting people out of her way. If I can just touch Jesus... Maybe something will happen. Did you know that your biggest need could be the biggest catalyst to your faith? Because the thing that, that, that she struggled with, that she was suffering with, that led her to say, I need Jesus. I need a touch from him. And that was a catalyst. That was a spark. That's what led her. I need, I need something to break right now. And how often do the needs that we have in our hands and our hearts, the, the things that have just been just, like, just holding us back, we keep to ourselves and we don't want to stretch out our hand to Jesus because we're afraid, what if it doesn't happen? What if it doesn't happen? And check this out. So many people were bumping Jesus, who were around Jesus, but this one lady who was suffering for 12 years, who was ostracized from the community, I'm going to push everyone out of the way if I could just touch him, maybe he'll do something. Your biggest need could be the biggest catalyst to your faith. And that could lead you to an encounter, an experience with Jesus that maybe you never thought was possible. So she goes, she goes, and she touches his robe. In verse 29, immediately the bleeding stopped. Can we just pause on that for a moment? Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Could you, like, I can't even imagine all those years, and you touch Jesus, and then it's just done. Like, what? That's it? 
I don't have to do anything. I just had to touch you in faith, and that's it. And here's the crazy part is that with her condition, she was basically told, don't have a relationship with us. That if you touch me, you're going to make me impure. Not just physically, but spiritually towards God. Don't touch me. Could you, so could you imagine the fear that if I go and touch Jesus, I don't want to make him unclean. If I touch Jesus, that I'm going to mess up him. Because I've been told my whole life that if I touch you, you're going to mess me up. And that's why often I think why we don't live lives transparently. Oh, I can't, I can't, I don't want to tell that person because we're really saying is I don't want to mess them up too. I don't want to make them dirty. But here's what happened though. She touched Jesus and Jesus didn't become unclean. The opposite happened. She became clean. That when she touched him with his depression, he didn't get depressed, but she received peace. And that's the gospel, that when you reach out your hand in faith, it's not about what you could do for yourself, but what Christ has already done for you through the cross. The cross, the, the cross screams that I'm enough. And that if you bring your need, if you bring your life, if you confess your sin, my grace is going to overwhelm your sin, not the opposite. So that's why we got to bring our stuff to Jesus. We got to bring our whole selves. So that's what happened to the lady. His grace overwhelmed her. Could you imagine how many more people could have been touched by Jesus? I mean, they, 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 they bumped him, right? But it wasn't in faith. They were around Jesus. They were even talking to Jesus. They were talking to like the, 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 the center of life. Yet this lady just reached out in faith. I know you can do this. That's the end of the story, right? We're done? We're good? No, we're not. Because Jesus didn't just want to have a drive-by healing. Oh, all right, cool. 12 years, you're good. Off the Jairus now. See you later. No, no, he, he wanted to do something more. So look at verse 30. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? That's kind of logical, right? Everyone's around him. Who touched me? Not to be like rude, Jesus, but everyone's touching you. Like, and this whole thing of like your God, perfect knowledge, like everyone's touching you. He's like, no, 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 no. Power came from me, and I need to know who received that from me. And let's be honest, Jesus knows who, who, who the person is. He's not just like, I wonder who touched me. He knows exactly who touched him. But he's trying to convey something. Is that I don't just want to, I don't just want to connect you to a solution, but I want to connect you to me. That I just don't want to, I'm, I'm going to heal your body because I care about every part of your life. But what you need more is you need to be connected to me. And so he, he, he looks at her like, where, where is this lady? I want to come and meet her. And the story keeps on going where it says, verse 32, but he kept looking around to see who done it. That, that phrase, looking around, 
in, in the original language, it means that he kept scanning, he kept gazing, he wasn't going to relent until he found this person. This is, this is just my idea. The, the, the text doesn't necessarily say this, but I know myself, I know my personality. Any A-types in here? Yep. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm running, I'm gunning, I'm, I'm trying to be efficient, right? So I'm thinking, myself, if I'm the disciples, right, Jesus, you made a promise to Jairus, commit to it, okay? You healed this lady, you don't have time to, like, mess with her, right? Go and heal. I mean, come on, we're on a schedule right now, Jesus. <laughs> Let's do this thing. And so when you truly live for purpose, when you live with purpose, with God's purpose, and when you live a life beyond yourself, how many of you know that living purposely, it's going to interrupt your own plans? It's, it, it, it's going to stop you because it's not all about you. It can be a little bit about you, but it can't be all about you. And so it's going to stop you with your time. It's going to stop you with your resources. It's going to stop you in so many ways, but there's purpose behind it. So I, I, I respect you, Peter. I respect you, John, but I'm not going anywhere because I'm looking for the one. People are the purpose, and that's what he was communicating. People are the purpose. And so it keeps on going on. Verse 33, the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Could you imagine that? Looking her right in the eyes. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering's over. I can't, I, I can't even imagine that. And what he was communicating was, yeah, I see the crowds, but I also see you. And that when you're living a purposeful life, when Jesus is the center and he's the purpose and he's, and he's allowing you to make people the purpose, you stop just seeing crowds. You see the one. You see the one that God wants you to pour into, to invest, and to encourage. I need to encounter this person because God's put them on my heart. I've got to do something about that. Imagine just that one moment how that just transformed that lady's whole life. All because Jesus stopped and said, I want to make a difference right now. I need to do this. It reminded me when I, I worked at the Boys and Girls Club, um, and there was one particular day where it we were outside with, 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 our, with our students, and uh, I didn't really know this coworker too well. And so I really felt like God wanted me to talk to him. Um, but honestly, like, I, I was actually, so we, we used to uh, lead a college group, and uh, I was kind of behind my message prep. I'm like, Jesus, I got to prepare for my message. Like, I don't know. Like, can I, can I, you know? And so I, I'm struggling. I'm like, all right, I guess I'll love some people right now, you know? And so <laughs> I go over to him. Hey, how, how's it going? How's your life? And I won't bore you with all the um, small talk. But we got to the question. Hey, so have you been to church before? Like, what's been your experience? You know? I love Jesus. I got nothing. We're cool, but I haven't been in church in years. Well, like, why not? Well, I've been gay for a really long time. And when I finally told my church, like, my identity, they didn't know what to do with it. So I peaced out. And um, that, that was it for me. And my heart's breaking. 
Because there's someone that I am in contact with that's in my circle of influence that needs to be connected to Jesus, that needs to be connected to a body, a, uh, a church family, but he feels like he can't because of a bad experience. I'm like, we're going to fix that. And so um, I'm, I'm not the savior by any means, obviously, but we went out to coffee that day. Hey, hey let's, let's hang out. And I, I just apologized to him. I'm like, that's not Jesus. That's not our church's heart. Come to my church. Let's hang out. Let's have some fun. And make a long story short, he loved our church. He came back. He fell in love with Jesus. He renounced that lifestyle. He's serving in our church, well, a previous church. And I'm like, all because I took five minutes and just got just got out of myself. <laughs> Chris, I have a purpose for you, but it's not all about you. Just get over yourself. Okay, right? And look what happened. Just took five minutes, right? Just for me to engage. And it just, it reminds me of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where Paul's talking about how we are now ambassadors of his, uh, of his gospel. That it says that in verse 20, that God makes his plea through us. So it all depends on God, but we're, but, but we're his plan A. God doesn't have a plan B. We're his plan A. So when we partner with Jesus, great things can happen. And what an opportunity we have to make a difference when we live with purpose beyond ourselves. Well, we're, we're a Monday church. And what I mean by that is that we just want to encourage you on Sunday, but we want to empower you for, for the week. So how does this work out? If, if people are the purpose, how do I do this thing? Can I be honest? I mean, I've been honest all message, but can I be a little bit more honest? Man, you're like, wait, you weren't honest the last 20 minutes? No, no. I'll be a little bit more honest. Man, like, um, me going up to strangers, that's not my thing. Like, I know it looks seems like I'm really comfortable up here. I can do this. This is fine. But going up to, like, random people, I get freaked out. Like, just, that's just not my thing at all, right? All you extroverts out there, you're cool. I kind of hate you. <laughs> I love you, but I'm jealous, if I'm honest. I'm a little, a little jelly there. But that's just not me. But that doesn't excuse me from having purpose. And so I'm not saying you have to be someone that you're not, but I am saying but let's be who God's created you to be because you can rejoice in that. And if you still don't know how you're gifted or, or, or you're wired, go to step three today. Step three is going to show you how you are uniquely wired by God. You're not by accident. And we promise you that's going to start the conversation. You're going to know your spiritual gifts, what you're passionate about, like how God wants to use your personality to make a difference. So you're not going to want to miss that after, after the service. So, for me, I'm, I'm probably not going to go to a restaurant, get on top of a, a, a table. Hey, come to church. Nope, nope, nope. That'd be bad. Would not do that. I'd, I'd be so awkward at that. But I think there is a next step that I can give to all of us, no matter who you are, that I think is going to help out. And it's going to blow your mind, okay? It's going to be like, I can't believe this, okay? What if we saw Sunday mornings as our mission? What if we didn't just come to church? It's like, no, let's, let's receive the worship. Let's get filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Let's hear from the word. Let's receive from Pastor Matt. And let's take everything that God's given us and be on mission. Let's, let's be intentional. We're, when we come on Sunday mornings, we're not just going to do church, but we're going to be the church.
And what we say here all the time, it's not cliche. We mean a wholeheartedly. There's no superheroes here except for Jesus. That's why we have the dream team. The dream team is that serves every Sunday, that uh, makes it happen during the week. And, and this is what grips us as, as a dream team. You might know the story, so I'm going to summarize it. But the parable of the prodigal son, we're in modern day terms. The younger son went to his dad and says, Dad, I don't want a relationship with you. I just want the benefits of a relationship. So can I have your inheritance? And somehow, some way, the father gave it to him, and he, he just consented. So what did the son do? He went to Vegas, partied, all that stuff, right, did his thing. And then what happened? He went bankrupt. It's all gone, empty. And I'm willing to say that he wasn't just empty in his bank account, but probably in his life. So he thought to himself, you know, my father, even though I took a lot of cash from him, he's still pretty, he's pretty wealthy still. And he's got people in his house that work for him that eat better than I do. So I'm going to say I'm sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to do all that stuff, and he's going to receive me again. Notice it had nothing to do with how sorry he was. He was just hungry. Like, I'm hungry. I'm, I'm going to say I'm sorry. So he's coming back to his father's house. And could you imagine what he's thinking, what he's feeling? Like, is my father going to receive me? Is he going to be angry at me? Is he going to be bitter at me? How is he going to treat me? Is he going to give me the silent treatment? Is he going to say that everything's great, but he's going to withhold his love for me? And we've experienced that before. We're like, there's people in our lives that say they love us, but when something messes up, they peace out in their own way. And some of us have felt that way when we've had a bad season, and we're not sure about church, and we're not sure about Jesus. It's like, how is God going to respond to me? So the younger son has this in mind. But the scripture says that the father saw him from a distance, and right when he saw him, he ran towards him, he hugged him, he embraced him. And before the son could even say, I'm, no, we're good. Let's throw a party. My son who was lost, he's found. And here's the part that grips me, if that just wasn't good enough, is that the scripture says that the father saw him from a distance. Well, how, how could the father see him from a distance? The only answer could be is because he was waiting for him. He was preparing for him. Imagine all the, all the days he was praying, God, God, send my son home. He looked up, and nobody was there. But he kept praying. He kept preparing. He kept waiting for his son. And then right when he saw his son, I'm going to welcome my son home. As a dream team, we don't just play church. Every single Sunday is someone's first Sunday. And we're welcoming the prodigal home every single week. Where we tell our greeter team that without Jesus, you're just saying hi and, and, and being a, a, a nice person. But with purpose, you're welcoming people maybe for the first time back into God's house and to Jesus. That they're struggling. Should I go? Should I go? I don't know if I should go. There's no parking. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to get out of here. But when they see you with that sign, smiling and just, just, in a, just a life-giving atmosphere, and that sign says, welcome home, okay. I can, I can be myself here. I, I've had such a great time with, with our ushers this morning. And I was, guys, you have such a vital role that it could be someone's first Sunday. And you're going to be that prodigal's first time, first face, that you're going to be welcoming them in to God's house for the first time. What a privilege that is. I'm so grateful for our growth track team because there's people that want to take a next step, that want to know God. 
They want to find freedom. They want to make a difference. They want to find purpose. And without the growth track team, no one would get connected to Dream Team. What a vital role they have. I'm so grateful for our sound and media team. Because if they weren't keeping an eye on the sound, if they weren't keeping an eye on all the slides, there'd be so much confusion. There'd be so much chaos in here. They're making sure that you can move closer to God and close to other people. Pastor Chris, is this a plea to God on the dream team? Yes. <laughs> and I am unapologetic about it. Here's what we are unapologetic. Because we know that if you live life on mission, you're going to love it. You're not only going to fall in love with Jesus more, but you're going to make an eternal difference, and that's going to pump you up. So join the dream team, okay? <laughs> okay? <laughs> Second is, man, we have an amazing opportunity coming up with At The Movies. Anyone like At The Movies here? It's fun, right? It's not just going to be fun. It's going to be transformational. Where most people who just wouldn't come to a regular church service, they're going to come because this is going to engage them. Some movies are fun. Some movies are entertaining. Some movies are inspiring, and we're going to connect them to God's heart. And I'm going to take these with me this week, and I'm going to be at my grocery store, Trader Joe's, and I know most of the workers there, and I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, I, I am there a lot. It is a little bit more noisy than other uh, grocery shops. I'm going to go, and I'm, I'm going to get anxious. I, I'm going to get a little sweaty, and, and like, I'm not going to know what to say, and I'm going to be praying, God, do I really have to do this? You know, oh, I did. I just preached it. I have to do because I'm going to be a hypocrite. Okay. And then I'm going to have this in my back pocket. And then I'm going to be tempted to stutter. I'm going to be like, hey, come to at the movies. Look how awesome this is. And this is going to be a game changer for me because the church has already done the work for me. And all I have to do is say, hey, you're welcome here. Come join us. That's it. It's easy. And so let's take our cards and let's be intentional because every card that, that you are potentially sitting under right now is a person that could potentially know Christ for the first time if they come at the movies. That's how vital this is. And one last thing, and this has really helped me out that I learned this this last week. I want us all as a church to remember these not cues, N-O-T, these not cues, that when you hear this not cue, that's a cue for you to invite them to church, okay? So I'll, I'll give you three examples. Um, I'm not enjoying life right now. Oh, come to church. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing well. There you go. Okay, so that's the first cue. The second cue is I'm not prepared for this. That's okay. I'm at church. You're going to have a great time. And this is probably the easiest one. I'm not from here. Man, I got some friends for you to meet. This is going to be a great time. Come to our church. So when you hear these not cues, it's just going to be a kind of like a response like, oh, squirrel. Here you go, you know? It's going to be really easy. So let's live with purpose, a purpose that's beyond ourselves because that's where life is going to be, be best lived and it's going to be more than what you can imagine. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing, the lives that are here in this room and those who are not. Maybe you're in this room and you can relate to that woman who suffered for 12 years and maybe you're still in it right now. And maybe you're like her where you've tried everything except for Jesus. And you can't explain it. You can't even do, it's not even rational to you. But there's something in you that's saying, I want to respond, but I don't know how. And friend, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, guiding you, leading you to the source of all life. The one who 
knew you before you were born, who's so mindful of you, Jesus, and that he paid and died for you to have a relationship with him. And all you have to do is receive it. I'm a sinner. I confess it. And Jesus, I want you to be Lord over my life. 